When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm supposed to take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate. And how they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, episode 337. We figured this has been a wild week. Uh, I called the boys yesterday. I said, guys, I think we need a live podcast. We can't wait till Tuesday. There's a lot of stories going on. Rob made it happen. We got Adam Vinny in the house. Tom's in the house. The crew's in the back. And we got a bunch of stories to go through with you. Um, one thing I will tell you for, I had a call with my uh, penguin. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the publishing publisher. company? Yesterday. They said, look, the numbers are looking good. It's really close to potentially next week getting some news. So if some of you guys haven't yet bought the book, Choose Your Enemies Wisely, I can't tell you how many people are calling me, telling me after they finish the book, how they're feeling, the stories in it, how it's driving and moving it. If you got big plans for 2024, you can go ahead and place the order on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, all over the place should have it. Many places are sold out, but some places they still have it. And I would suggest ordering the hardcover as well as the audiobook if you haven't yet ordered it, Rob, if you want to put that in the chat in the description having said that here's the stories we got today vivek dismantled nikki haley and chris christie telling chris christie to his face get the hell out of here you have to see that then larry fink is sitting there saying dude why are you calling me out why is it that you guys are talking about blackrock more than you're talking about inflation we'll talk about him the debate was the least viewed debate Apparently, uh, in a long time, only 4 million people watched the debate. Then Hunter Biden, the details came out about how much money he was spending on hookers. Um, it's, it's gotta, this has got to be like a record-breaking, the kind of money he was spending. Adam's second place. Yeah, he would, but, Adam's, Adam's but right behind the, him. But, I don't the, but the distance don't between first and second was wild. <laughs> yeah. Trump-appointed judge will be seeing Hunter Biden's tax evasion case. California budget deficit swells to record. $68 billion as tax revenue falls. We'll talk about that. Megyn Kelly didn't have good things to say about Trump. Megyn Kelly said Trump has lost multiple steps mentally. Uh, now, whether she's poking a bear or doing what she's doing, it is what it is to have a very unique relationship together. You should see what happened with, Tom, these are what? These are the presidents of Penn, Harvard, and MIT, MIT. right? Getting called out publicly and the exchange and what they couldn't admit to which led to one donor from Penn to take $100 million of donation off the table. Mean, that's a lot of money, guys, $100 million off the table. And billionaire and Harvard grad Bill Ackman suggests Harvard president was a DEI pick. There's a bunch of stories there that's very interesting. Elon Musk just did a uh, – um, he's running a poll right now whether he should reinstate Alex Jones or not. We'll give you an update on that. Elon Musk calls for Disney CEO. I don't think we've reacted to it. We'll talk about that a little bit. Luxury stores are bursting with unsold stuff. If you want to buy a watch, 
Right now, watch inventory is high. Those luxury watches that were 50 grand, that were selling for 100 grand, or they were 10 grand, they were selling for 20. Today's the complete opposite. Go to a Rolex store three years ago. There was no Rolex watches. Go to a Rolex store today. It's filled with watches, which means if you're a buyer, may not be a bad season. And last but not least, or if you're a looter, it's, 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 there, if you're it's California. Just you know, strategy. That is right. Loot, loot in time that's, for that's, holidays. That's, I never even thought California. about that. By the way, for some of you that are literal people, Don't Tom is literally joking with you. Yeah. Just so you know that. Well, never seeing family or friends can lead to an early death. Oh, what a what a warming uh, story we have there. Okay, so let's get right into the first one here, Rob. If you want to pull up Vivek. And I say we do Vivek and put the full – no, put the one with Nikki Haley. He starts off there, and then we'll go with the Vivek and Chris Christie. Watch this right here, what he does to Clinic. Nikki Haley. Clinic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the look on her face. <laughs> and I remember, guys, here's what you need to know. No matter what anybody says, a lot of billionaires, a lot of establishment money, a lot of establishment Republicans – are choosing Nikki Haley as their candidate. And you know why? They want her as their candidate. Of course. Okay. So a lot of that money was initially was this. The Santas is going now to pivoted. her. Yeah. So, but watch what Vivek does here, Rob. Go ahead and play this clip here. If I may. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our <laughs> troops to actually look, fight look, for. Look. Look at that. <laughs> this is what I want Just people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has saying, no guys, idea what the hell the names of those provinces yeah, are. She to wants those to send in my our sons and daughters and our troops <laughs> and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee, stint at the UN, and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces yeah, 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 yeah. that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet I love him, Pat. Did she respond to that? She couldn't say anything. By the way, if she knew the providences, she would have she would have owned him. Yeah. Instead, blank look. Provinces, Vivek yeah. Went, she did not know. She had no idea. Tom, what do you think about when you see this, Tom? Um, I think Vivek is saying and demonstrating what the American voter wants to see, which is some guts. And some truth. And he's got facts he's backing up, but he's wrapping it up into an, in an accusation. Um, my daughter saw this and I said, what did you think of Vivek? She said, well, they're probably going to say he's a jerk, but he was being very clear. And this is a 17-year-old girl. She, you know how we all feel in our house. But the point is, I think that's what America's feeling. America's feeling, dude, you're right. And the establishment you know, is referring to him as a jerk, saying that he's a petulant little brat and and trying to. But look how they're trying to put labels on what was a guy that that made a very strong, clear comment. And you saw the stunned look. They were all sitting there looking back as DeSantis took two steps back in his heels and put his hands in his pocket. Did you see that? He wanted no part of that. He was physically showing. All right. You can just yell right across the front of my podium and just leave me be. It's funny you're saying that there's a video that's going viral from The Daily Show. If you got that, Rob, I don't a bunch of guys sent me this. I didn't. I thought I didn't even know what this was. And then apparently this was AI. Rob, go ahead. 
Rob, we can't hear. Rob, we can't hear it. Five foot eleven. You're so go go back. Oh, go back. Ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Ron, you are normal. You are not weird. You are five foot eleven. Your suit is soft, and your shoes are grown up big boy shoes. That's it. Pretend you're listening to music, human music. Good. Human Check music. the phone. Normal style. Activate conversation mode. Hello, you're busy. Okay, love you. Bye. Come on, Ron. Be normal. You are not a bobblehead with a dry mouth. You are a big boy with a wet mouth. Activate head turn. Activate toothless smile. Good. Very good. Activate hand gesture. Uh, good. That's better. Remember, you are a Ron DeSantis. You aren't just normal. You're also totally not weird. Let me respond to this. By the way, The Daily Show has, I did not, has see not been funny. Since John Stewart left, what was his name? Trevor uh, Trevor Noah. Oh my God, absolute horror. If he ever sees this clip, no offense, you're a great guy. You see me, I love to have a beer with you, buddy. Least funniest host I've ever seen. Oh, Trevor Noah. What do you mean? I didn't even know he did stand up. Not He's funny not whatsoever funny at all. So woke, so bought and sold, and horrible, paid for, horrible by the left. There's one person that's super funny on The Daily Show, Jordan Klepper. You ever see his stuff that he goes out there and does? I don't watch one of those shows. Of course you don't. But he's, they, right. This right here time. was probably the funniest clip I've seen Period. produced by The Daily Show in years. Oh, yeah. Oh, years, yeah. And years. Years. I, I would respect <laughs> Ron. Like, at this point, at this point, because Ron DeSantis knows people are talking. If I was him, I would open the day like, you know what? Pat Patrick but David's talk crap. Every, I would kick the boots and just get right down to here. He don't have like what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm sure. But hey, COVID. I kicked ass during he's, COVID. I would do that. And guess what? He would skyrocket. He, he just doesn't have it, dude. But I've spoken it. with multiple yeah. people that are that are in his orbit. Yeah, he, he is a policy wonk. Super smart. <laughs> he just don't have that riz, that it fact. He just doesn't have it. Well, you talk about multiple people in his orbit, but you and Pat were there along with a small group of media that was invited to the governor's mansion during the formative weeks of the development of the campaign. Yeah, you, a couple saw, weeks before his announcement. You saw it live. It's not yeah. just people in his orbit you talked to. You guys saw it live. It's just stiff and uninitiated well, person. Okay. Pat, I'll, 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 I'll let you respond to this, but typically this is just unsolicited advice to the governor. Respect you. I would vote for you a million times out of a over Gavin Newsom. Somehow Gavin Newsom won that debate when all the facts were on DeSantis' side. But when you get into a room, and it's a how many people were in that room, Pat? In the, in the governor's Eight. mansion, eighteen to twenty people. Just hot tip for anybody starting a speech: don't just go straight into facts. <laughs> just be like, guys. So happy you guys are all here. How you doing, buddy? What's well, good to see you, man? All right, cool. With that being said, we're going to have a great conversation today. Bah, 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 bah. Now let's get started. You don't start a speech with, hi, guys, the GDP of Florida. And then the people in public and the teachers union, it's like, dude, like, just give them a quick little intro. Say hi. It was a little, uh, so, so at, at little this, too wonky. At this point, who do you think was the person? I know we talked about it once. Who was the person that looked at Ron DeSantis and said, listen, president? You can do it. Do you think it was his wife, or do you think there was somebody that was like, yes, like on the there side? was one person. Yes. Who was it? Jesus. Was it? No, it wasn't Jesus. Who do you think it was? Tom, honestly, uh, I think his wife has aspirations and is managing his career with him in partnership, and she pushed him too early. Who do you think? If you had I, to guess, I I think it's himself. I think it's himself, and then his wife uh, encouraging, and a bunch of other people. But you have to you you the the filtering to know what flattery is. It's such a hard filter to have. Most people don't have it because you you want to hear 
somebody say things about you that, like, imagine somebody comes to Tom and says, hey, you know, without you, without you, Pat would never do anything. You know that, right? I don't think Pat gives you enough credit. And Tom buys that flattery. Yeah. In that moment, Tom may independently be like, I cannot agree. You're right. Okay? And say, I'm not part of that discussion. And he buys into that. Say somebody comes to me and says, hey, Pat, just so you know, you know, without you, Tom wouldn't be anything, right? Because you're giving him the eyeball. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm giving him the eyeball. You, you can't fall for it. It's a trap, right? So somebody came in, and the biggest thing that hurt his chance of being a president, they told him you can do it without Trump. Yeah, they well. told him you need to go after him. And that decreased his chances of ever being a president by a big margin. Listen, this doesn't mean he can't be a president. He can. Mm -hmm. A lot of weird things can still happen today. But let's just say, let's say Trump's out of the equation. Say Trump's out of the equation. Yeah. Flat out say Trump's not going to be running. Something happens, he can't run. Where's the MAGA vote going to be going? To DeSantis or to v v Vivek? Vivek. To Vivek. Of course. So that, that, even that he's not going to get. Yeah. So he, he, he told the, the MAGA crowd, look, you know, you're delusional in a way. He didn't say that, but I'm saying yeah. that's the, the mm -hmm. position he took. But this is more about Nikki Haley right now, guys. Sure. Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. The way they set this up, because if it's five, they've always put DeSantis right in the middle. They've always said DeSantis, if it's odd, the number one guy is in the middle. Right. And Vivek went from all the way in the outside, and he's worked himself right next to. It's like in Mr. Olympia. What happens is when they're doing shows, the best bodybuilder physique is in the middle. And let's just say you're on the outside and last year nobody looked at you as a competitor. Yeah. The next thing you're posing next to the main competitor, yeah. Yeah. they're like, oh, shit, this guy could be taking it. Yeah, yeah. And that when Jay Cutler beat Ronnie or Ronnie beat all these other guys, it kind of works like that. So Vivek's worked them. But watch the way they've positioned it. They put the two establishment guys right next to each other, wow. Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. They put the one that is somewhat a hybrid between establishment and non-establishment, which is who? DeSantis, DeSantis, he's a hybrid, and they put the non-establishment mm -hmm. all the way to his corner, which is who? Vivek. Yeah. Now, Rob, do me a favor. Go to the longer clip with him and Christy where he dismantles Christy and what he tells him. Is this the one that you have? Or go ahead and play this clip. Let's see if the audio plays. If not, just back it up. Okay, perfect. That's fine. Watch this. We learned three things right there. First of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Look at his face. Chris, your version <laughs> of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. Yeah. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yeah. yourself off that stage. Enjoy a nice meal. Yeah. And get the hell out of this yeah, place. <laughs> Such a beast. Actually send your sons and daughters while, to while go die in somebody else's voting. war. Hold on. While you you better, excuse voting. me, Chris. I'm speaking. And I'm what? not done yet. <laughs> you and we're going to be done. So listen up to this. Is If these people want to send your sons and daughters to go die in Look Ukraine. What he says. They've been arguing for it for a year. $200 billion dollars of our taxpayer money sent over. Neither of them could even name for you the provinces that they actually want to protect. And this is the people who have been touting their so-called foreign to policy experience. Scrambling. It is intellectual fraud. These people are lying to you. The same people who told you about weapons and mass destruction in Iraq to justify that invasion didn't know the first thing about it, yet they sent thousands of our sons and daughters to go die. The same people who told you the same in Afghanistan, where the Taliban is still in charge 20 years later. Seven trillion of our national debt due to these toxic neocons. You can put lipstick on a Dick Cheney, it is still a fascist neocon. Thank and you, you have to see that today. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy. Dick Cheney all over again in okay. this party. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy. Yeah. Can I tell you the best thing that ever happened to mm. Vivek? 
the best thing that ever happened to them back, bullying on was bullying? when we were in LA at the Reagan Library for that second debate, mm -hmm. and he tried to play Mr. Nice Guy. You remember that? Of course. Hey, because the first debate he came out there, guns blazing. The second debate, he realized, oh shit, these guys are all here to attack me. And he was like, no, can't we all get along? He seeked counsel. He went back to the drawing board. He looked in the mirror and he just said, F you, I'm going for and it. And he trolled his enemies. And he's just been just like, fired up ever Pat, since. Not to be I like think I, this is him. I think yeah. this is the natural Vivek. He has facts that he puts together along with the assertive argument with the, with the uh, you know, the kind of the nail on the head. I, you know, go have a nice meal. Get the Adam, hell off the stage. That. Right? Yeah, use my line. Is it, but that, that is Adam's line. Yeah. No, it's. but I think it's correct. I think you're seeing yeah. the real Vivek. The real Vivek has facts, and he argues with facts, mm -hmm. but he also wraps them with a punch. Yeah. And that's what, but, I think this is the real but, guy. But, we saw him at intermission. We walked up on stage and yeah. talked to him for about one minute. You know, no security came up and everything, and we encouraged him and everything. But during the intermission, you could feel the fire in the fight, but he mm -hmm. didn't show it when it was live during the debate. Well, but, but, I, but I think I think it, I mean I think that that's him. But something uh, he went into another gear because it wasn't this this like yeah. pointed going at him. And I mean, he, dude, I agree hundred percent. The guy's brilliant, but something something shifted in fifth gear where it's like now it's no holds barred, and I'm putting everybody on blast. Which is backed by fact, and and you could, dude. If you have the facts, mm -hmm. and now you're putting them and you're questioning them to see if they know it and they don't, you win. Just well, he won that by 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 ten lengths. Just look what he did in the third debate when we were all there in Miami. The second debate in L.A., he tried to play Mr. Nice Guy, flopped. Yeah. Third debate, he walks up on stage. He basically said the old office space thing: "Fuck you, fuck <laughs> you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. All right, I'm let's out. roll." Ronald McDaniel, please step down. Kristen Welker, you're bought and paid for. Why don't you apologize for this? F you, F you, F you, F you. And Go. now, yeah. And like, what now? And everyone's yeah. like, holy shit, this guy yeah. means business. By, by the way, you see that the way Vivek is pushing, the, the, the first thing I do after the debate was over with the next day, I go type in GOP debate winners. Rob, just go type mm -hmm. in GOP debate winners. I can't wait for this. And look what everybody said, winners and losers, okay? Just pick a story. Go to any one of them, okay? Go to, perfect, go to that one. Fourth, I'm guaranteed, it says three winners, one losers. I guarantee you the one loser they put is Vivek. Yeah. Watch this. Go all the way down, go all the way down. So winners, Haley, Haley and Christie oh, winners. Have there? Haley and winner Christie. Haley. The Haley Christie alliance. alliance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The man that's been losing yeah. in the polls is somehow a winner. Keep going. Here, Keep going. Let's see what they got here. What's this one? Well, far right, right conspiracy theorists as a winner. Wow. Okay. What that, do they say? But that's is not the a winner, though. Theory. That's not a winner, no, it's though. It's not. It's sort of like a humble brag. Yeah, that is not You're a winner. You're fat, but you look good today. Yeah, January 6th and all this stuff, because they still want that to be an insurrection. Obviously. Okay, but go to the next one. That's not called a winner. That's that's a loser, <laughs> small government, conservatism. Okay, uh, go to the next notice one. Don't put the word small. All right, there. winner Donald Trump. Okay, yeah. let's go to the next site. Go pick a different site. Go to. Uh, uh, Let's see what the uh, what is it? Okay, go to that one. Let's see what the Hill says, the hill, yeah. and then go to New York Times. Okay, so here's the Hill: winners and losers. Win winner Ron DeSantis. Look how confusing this is. So Ron DeSantis, the winner. Keep going. He was the loser in the last. No, one, he's right? yeah, that's right. They're saying he's the winner. Okay, Donald Trump winner. Okay, keep going. Mm -hmm. And then who else you got? Mixed Nikki Haley. She's mixed. Okay, uh, and then who else we got here? Chris Christie mixed. 
and then go all the way to the bottom, and guess who's the loser? Who's Let's wow. actually read this. The number of voters holding an unfavorable opinion of Ramaswamy has sharpened in poll recent summer. He likely spiked those numbers Wednesday, condescending line of attack against Haley, suggesting at least metaphorically that she didn't tell the difference between the United States and Israel, even drew Christie to come to Haley's defense. Described a piece of paper alleging corruption was far too obviously a pre-planned gimmick. Ramaswamy also continued his tendency to pump oxygen into conspiracy theories while relieving himself a silver deniability. The 2020 election was indeed stolen by Big Tech. He's not lying. That's Twitter didn't post the story. That's a fact. He Correct. said a phrasing that seemed designed to appeal to MAGA. So, again, go to next one. So, so far, we let's look at what New York Times says. We looked at the Hill and we looked at Vox. So, here, he's a clown. Haley, Haley, Haley. Chris Christie is first place. Look at that. No way. Look at that. And no. look who's last. Vivek no is last way. place. This what, what, is New York Times scroll, for you. Scroll down a little bit. Yeah. What does it say below that? He's a clown and not even one of the good ones. Winners and losers. So I'm assuming that's probably a quote from Christie to Vivek. Keep going lower. So they give it to Christie. Christie. There's no way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That he, like, there's no, like, and, and then they wonder why Haley, nobody's a, watching them. No, but, but this one, but, you, but no, you can't say that. How many subscribers, go, go type in New York Times yeah. number of subscribers. New York Times. New York legit. Times subscribers, okay? How many millions do they have? 10 million. What do you mean nobody is listening? But I mean, listening, but believing it? No, of course they're believing it. They're it's paying the most successful money. digital this publication. Is, they they, like are, they are, the people are watching. So how many people watched the debate? A lot of people didn't. They're going to sit there and say, Four million. Chris Christie crushed it, and this Vivek yeah. guy's a loser. Ugh. This is what they're doing to people that they're, and by the way, play Van Jones, what Van Jones said. Okay, go, if you got, uh, watch this clip here. Look at his reaction. This is right after. Watch yeah. this. Mug condescending way that he just spews this poison out is very, very dangerous because he won't stop Trump, but he's going to outlive Trump by about 50 years. And you're watching the rise of an American demagogue. He gets it. That is a very, Listen. very despicable person. Yeah. And you I can I'm, say I, that I, all you want. I, I was, I was shaking, shaking beta, listening to him beta. talk because a lot of people don't know. Listen. That is one step away from Nazi propaganda no. coming out of his mouth. A brown guy. Yeah. I would yeah. love to know the comment that he's talking about. No, no. Because Van Jones is not no, an no, idiot. No, no. He, he's not an idiot. I would like to know the comment that he's talking about. No, no. Not this is so intentional. He's saying he's talking about Vivek here. He's talking about Vivek. This is the takeaways from Ridiculous. Here's a guy that works for a network that constantly spews poison with lies. That's all they do. He's that you want to talk about bought and paid for? As a grown man, were you shaking from what Vivek was saying? Because it's the truth. It's the truth. When he said January 6th inside job, 100%. 100%. What, what's making you shake? And by the way, he has to be that guy because Trump didn't talk, so they have to have him. What, what was he supposed to say right there? Yeah, I mean, dude, the back kicks everybody's what? ass. But Hang on, what? CNN production meeting, Van Jones. Y'all, you better take this guy seriously. I got a plan. I got this. Give me the point at the eight-minute mark. I'm going after him. Yeah, I was shaking. That's Get the, the CNN pre-production Let me meeting. just tell you what this guy's got. Here's, here's what you got to give Van Jones credit. He's right. Vivek's going to be around for 40, 50 years. Yeah, that part. And you're going to have to put up with him. And the guy is probably the most annoying guy to people like Van Jones. He is fearless. He is he has his own money. smart. He is educated. He has made his own money. He's doing his thing. He's well-read. 
He has outworked everybody. He's on every single show podcast. Mm-hmm. He's not said no to anybody. We offered Nikki Haley. She was supposed to come here the day the debate was in Miami. Last minute. Oh, we just can't because of all this other cannon. Chris Christie. Oh, last minute. Credit to RFK. Just did a town hall. Credit to DeSantis. He came over here. Credit to Vivek. He's coming here a couple times. Nikki Haley establishment doesn't want to come. Why don't you want to come and sit down? Why don't you want to do this? They understand a guy like Vivek is going to be annoying talking shit about these guys for a very, very long time to come, and they're going to hate it. By the way, it's so bad that even Larry Fink had to respond to Vivek. Here's a story with Larry Fink talking about Larry Fink dismisses sad criticism of BlackRock and Republican debate. This is a Financial Times story. Larry Fink has criticized Republican presidential candidates for repeatedly mentioning the asset manager during a recent debate, calling it a sad commentary on the state of American politics. He expresses dismay, stating BlackRock was mentioned by some candidates in last, last night's debate more than inflation or national debt. That's a sad commentary on the state of American politics. During the debate, Vivek Ramaswamy accused Fink of being the king of woke industrial complex, which he is, and claimed that his support for Nikki Haley could influence her. Ramaswamy, an anti-ESG advocate. Do you have that clip, Rob, where he talks about uh, 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 Reed Hastings and what Reed Hastings, he's calling him the second George Soros, if you can pull that one up, and claimed that his support for Nikki Haley would influence her. Ramaswamy, on an anti-ESG advocate, also accused Fink of telling energy companies like Exxon and Chevron where they can drill. Ron DeSantis, Florida's governor, boasted about moving $2 billion in investments from, away from BlackRock, stating his actions as a testament of his stance. So watch, watch him right here, what he says to uh, uh, Nikki Haley. He flat out doesn't think Nikki Haley and Chris Christie are good people. <laughs> Can you imagine having the audacity to say, go ahead and play this? By the way, you cannot find this clip. For whatever reason, Weird. this part of the debate is tough to find. Go ahead in the White House who absolutely is going to be a fighter when it counts. And I did say that there were some good people on that stage in that third debate. Doug Bergen was on that stage at that time. And I'll say that jokingly, Ron DeSantis is a good person too. I want to go back though to Nikki Haley's comment from earlier that she is somehow not responding to the will of these donors. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the UN. After you left the UN, you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave four multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is, and now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. And when I said they were bought and paid for, I meant the Republican establishment, not the Democratic establishment. Now you have Reid Hoffman, the person who's effectively George Soros Jr., funding lawsuits across this country against Donald Trump to keep him off the ballot, funding left-wing causes. We discovered this week that he is one of Nikki Haley's largest supporters. Larry Fink, the king of the woke industrial complex, the ESG movement, the CEO of BlackRock, the most powerful company in the world, now supporting Nikki Haley. And to say that doesn't affect her is false because it's after that meeting later that day that she says that every American needs to be doxxed by having their ID, their government-issued ID, tied to what they say on the internet. So I think that this is far more corrupt than I even imagined when I entered politics. But I will say this, it is going to take a leader from the outside with fresh legs from the next generation to unite this country, not the broken politicians who are puppets of the puppet masters. 
Dude, let me explain something to you. That guy, if there, there it is again, Trump, facts wrapped with a punch. Trump doesn't go, Pat, that guy, that guy has my vote. That, he is so freaking, like, you know, dude, everybody's quiet. Nobody was butting in. Even the other side was just like, holy shit, captivated by what he's saying. Yeah. He's a he's a G, bro. I like that guy Did you say that Larry Fink responded to this? He, that's Larry Fink sent the fact. I just read the article. Okay. Larry Fink responded to it. Yes. Tom, go ahead. Yeah, he said that... Um, you know, some candidates are mentioning BlackRock more than inflation or the national debt. Mm -hmm. That's a sad commentary on the state of American politics. The reason he said it's a sad commentary is because he doesn't have a rebuttal point, uh, a fact-based rebuttal point. What he's really saying is, damn it, how did BlackRock become the flag-carrying noun for mm -hmm. the problem of the financial services industry? It's, it's all of us. Why don't you bring up Citadel and Ken Griffin? Hang on, i got to make a text. Ken, I'm really sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah, he says, why don't you bring everybody else up? That's what Larry Fink is saying, is how did BlackRock become the noun for the be the flag carrier for financial... You know, yeah. the, um, you know, the private equity groups uh, like BlackRock are buying up American single-family homes. Uh, like BlackRock are you know, pushing ESG agendas. He doesn't want to be that flag carrier, but guess what? You're the biggest, mm -hmm. you're the largest, you're the most visible. You've said it, and congratulations, you're the he's, flag carrier. Yeah, he's going, like, I mean, if, from how you're listening to him, the swamp, the left, you know, you know, the establishment, all this... He has to, he's not going away for 50 years, but he has to he has to watch himself in the fact that look what they're doing to Trump, what they did to Trump right now. He has to be kind of on on high alert. You know what I mean? Because he's about to take that mantle of Trump, because no matter what, like you said, he's not going in this. If that voice, that that following, he's not going anywhere. Did you guys should he be worried? Did you guys see? Should he be worried for his life? For, not life and all in general, because they're gonna they're gonna be watching I, him. Uh, listen, anytime you're, you just have to realize the one thing about uh, think about the profile of anti-establishment, and think about the profile of a human being of establishment. What is the profile of those two types of people? Okay, the anti-establishment. Uh, profile is somebody that is pro-freedom, that's somebody that doesn't like to be controlled, somebody that has a mind of their own, somebody that has their own opinions, somebody that uh, is not afraid to talk to anybody. I'll sit down and have a conversation with you because they're willing to debate. The anti-establishment ideals are that. They are against people controlling you and I and calling those people out. Now, go to the establishment. The anti-establishment community is the minority. The anti-establishment community is like, imagine you're a minority, you know, going to a school. You're the only Mexican in that school. You're the only Middle Eastern in that school. You're the only black kid in that school. Okay, you're the only Jew in that school. You're the only Christian in that You're the only Muslim in that school. You're a minority, right? Anti-establishment community is all minority. Why? Because the establishment owns what? The establishment are the people that went to Harvard are the people that went to the schools. By the way, Vivek is a school guy as well, but these guys that go to the schools, they're all of a sudden hooked up together. So meaning, hey, I'm going to do favors for you. You're going to do this for me. You're going to come and work for the mainstream media, establishment. You're going to come and work for this paper, establishment. New York Times, establishment. WAPO, establishment. You know, you got CNN, establishment. Even Fox, NBC, CBS, establishment. These are all establishment people who protect each other because they have the card to get into the club. And these guys are willing to give up the card. These guys don't care about being the cool guys entering the club. These guys simply want to be the guys that this is what I stand for. So the group here is massive. They have a lot of power. This guy, Reed Hoffman, he's talking about, he's the founder of LinkedIn. Yeah, he's oh, a guy. Yeah. That, yeah, Reed Hoffman is a multi-multi-billionaire started LinkedIn. PayPal mafia. He, oh, wow. he is one yeah. of the OG, OG guys. 
and he called him George Soros Jr. So, however, what the anti-establishment is doing is going against the grain, and the people who feel they have that profile, they're relating to it, and they're sitting there saying, I'm interested. Why is this guy talking like this? If we purely took one data, purely took one data, who grew the most on Twitter the most from the day they announced they're running till today. Oh, not even close, Vivek. Do you know what the numbers are like? I remember you showed. You showed. Oh, but it, but it's astronomical. But it's somehow pens went X. down. <laughs> it's two three x since we talk about that. Oh, wow. It's two three x since we talked about that. As it should. No, he's given that message and he's challenging a lot of people. He's getting people thinking. Anyways, let's go to the next story. Next story is what happened with the college university. So this last week, Penn folks, this is going to be very disturbing. Rob, if you can pull up that one clip. So you got the president of Harvard, you got the president of MIT, you got the president of Penn being grilled here and look at their answers and their response. And afterwards, I'm going to tell you what happened with Bill Ackman. Some people pull on $100 million out. But first, take a look at this clip. Go ahead, Rob. Dr. Kornbluth, does M- at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated as, as harassment, if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Watch yes. this. I am asking... Specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, Watch this. is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? That is the dumbest oh thing. The God. speech is not harassment. This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Can you believe that? Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? 
I will ask you one more time. She's giving her a chance. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When and it is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation. <laughs> that yeah. is actionable conduct, and we do take action. So the answer is yes that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, Why is it, it so depends hard? on the context. Yeah. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. First of all, you see, this, this is like the, by far the worst commercial one could play. Tom, as a parent, you, you know a lot of these schools, you know their numbers, you know where they're at, you know mm -hmm. what they're doing. One, what is your reaction when you see what they're saying is number two? What do you think the consequences are going to be of this? So I'll take it down three levels. Level number one, um, uh, Penn was on the short list uh, for my daughter, the very short list. Uh, Penn at Wharton has a great undergrad program where you can also be across uh, campus with an American history degree. And then Bailey wants to go get her MBA. What better place than one of the finest business schools, uh, Wharton, in the U.S.? And we took it off the list. And when we saw what happened over the last year and, 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 and by the way, for some people that are watching saying, what do you think you're going to take it off the list? Who do you think you are? His daughter got 1560 on her SATs out of 1600. Yeah. Trust me, this is a very qualified kid, girl, younger lady that's got a 4.6 GPA, incredible citizen, incredible at what she does. And she was somebody that could get into pain. Go ahead, Tom. Go yeah, she, she was also editor of the yearbook and dedicated herself to making sure that the pages of the yearbook showed everybody yeah. and included yeah. everybody, not just your own picture as a student in 11th grade, 12th grade or whatever, but that you were represented beyond your sport, beyond your yearbook picture. So Bailey's very committed to the inclusive nature, you know, in modern society and ensuring people are there. But, but we said no. So the first level is, as a parent, I'm now glad that, you know, she's not you know, on, on our way or in, in consideration there. But the second point was, you have to understand why they, I, I sat back at this last night and I looked into it and I said, why didn't they say yes? Because if they said yes, they have to go back to the campus where they've had Palestinian protests for the better part of a month and they got to go back and wow. do something about it. That's right. They were going to have to go back and do something. And they are coached. These are lawyers. These are lawyers by trade. And they were sitting there. If you're asked about that, you know, you, if you say yes, we have to come back and take action against all of a month of protest. Yeah, maybe, maybe we would have to um, uh, suspend a club's ability to gather on campus. Maybe we'd have to kick them off campus saying, hey, your club is full of hate speech. You have to kick them off campus. And so they were I think they were worried about answering it that way. The next thing that happened is they forgot where the real power is. The power at Penn is not in the wallets of the art history students. <clears throat> the power of Penn is the major donors to the Wharton Business School that rolls up to Penn. Yeah, the power of the pen cutting the checks, you mean. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Exactly yeah, yeah. right. I'm not laughing at the, but you you make a very ironic and correct point, Adam. You know, that's where it is. So that's my response. They couldn't answer the question in a certain way because it would have caused them to have to go home and take action. Mm -hmm. Well, now they may have to go home and take action because there are Israeli demonstrations planned today, this afternoon, on Harvard Yard. And if you don't think that those um, organizations Organizations that were pro-Palestinian are going to be marching on Harvard Yard. You know, I'll. You know, I, I think 
we're going to see it come to a head. But these these leaders put themselves in horrible positions. They were checkmated because if they answer it one way, earth collapses on their head. Exhibit A. And if they answer it the other way, they got to go home and clean up what they've been allowing in terms of anti-Semitic rhetoric for the past two months, not two months, but for, since October 7th. Well, that's been, it's been that's been over two months, and I know you're about to say something. Yeah. So basically, just what now, yeah, they wouldn't now they wouldn't answer, uh, uh, Tom. But what they what they were saying is basically uh, MIT and Harvard and all these that you can scream out loud. You know, we hate Jews. Jews die and everything. Just as long as it's not pointed at one person, they can't call it hate speech. And let's not forget Sally Kornbluth from MIT. You know what she is, right? She's Jewish. How is she? How is she sitting there? As a Jewish woman and not being able to answer that being openly anti-Semitic isn't bullying or harassment or, or anti like uh, that's unbelievable. What do, what do you think happens if the if what if that congresswoman was a person of color and was asking, would calling for the genocide of African Americans, Hispanic Americans, mm-hmm. pick your list, constitute yeah, bullying, H- racism, hate- and be unacceptable according to your standards of conduct and call for action. They would have said, absolutely, Congresswoman, absolutely. Of course. So we had an insurance meeting this last week, and one of the uh, uh, very, very powerful executive in the insurance industry, he's a president, he does very well, he's known, he's, and he's gone to Penn. And he's a Jew, but he's also a Democrat, okay, and he comes and starts talking with me. I love this guy. And we start having a conversation with him. When we see each other, we say, I love you, I love you. Like, it's brothers, yeah, yeah. okay? He's one of those guys. Really? And he says, I got to tell you, man, one of the things I'm having a very hard time with right now is a Democrat who just openly talks. It's just him and I. He said, I'm having a very hard time with the fact that how are Democrats not understanding? He says, as a guy that went to these schools, how are they understanding you cannot allow this anti-Semitism to be taking place on school campuses. How It says that's causing some of my friends who are liberals to leave the way they're voting. Yep. Weird, okay? weird. Let, me, let me explain to you how weird this is. <clears throat> 1960, 64% of African Americans vote Democrat. 36% pretty much vote conservative. 60s, you said. Six, 1960. Got you. So what happens in 1960 to 1964? Barry Goldwater does his deal. Mm-hmm. Democrats are able to convince African Americans that Democrats were African Americans, not Republicans. It goes from 1960, where only 64% voted Democrat, to 92%. From 1964 till today, blacks have voted Democrat. 88 to 94% is what they voted. Mm-hmm. So some elections, 94% Democrat, 88%, 92%, 90%, but that's been the number. <clears throat> this incident here could cause some of the most powerful Jews in a marketplace to say, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not with this thing. Let me read this to you. Bill Ackman, okay? Bill Ackman, who went to Harvard, okay? Billionaire Harvard got Bill Ackman, suggests Harvard president was a DEI pick. They picked this person just because of DEI, okay? So let me, okay. Billionaire Harvard graduate Bill Ackman criticized the selection of Harvard's president, implying that the diversity, equity, inclusion policies played a role and said someone with the first-person knowledge, someone with first-person knowledge indicated that the committee would not consider the candidate who did not meet the DEI office criteria, okay? He argued against narrowing candidate pools based on race, 
gender and sexual orientation criteria stating shrinking the pool of candidates based on race, gender, or sexual orientation is not the right approach. Ackman voiced concerns over Harvard's handling of anti-Semitism, freedom of speech, and the impact of office equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, O-E-D-I-B, at university. So that's Ackman. Now, secondly, your story about a billionaire, UPenn, this is for UPenn. Donor withdraws $100 million of donation after president's congressional testimony on anti-Semitism. $100 million, $100 million. UPenn donor Ross Stevens, Ross, when you hear Ross, Ross Stevens, who pledged approximately $100 million to establish a financial innovation center, is withdrawing his donation due to concerns about the university's handling of anti-Semitism and President Liz McGill's congressional testimony on the subject stating President McGill's December 6, 2023 post on Twitter admitted as much when she blatantly acknowledged only after her congressional testimony went viral and demands for her termination amplified that calls for genocide of the Jews people constitute harassment and discrimination. That's when she flipped. After she almost lost her job, Stevens' attorney argued that UPenn violated its limited partnership agreement with Stone Ridge Asset Management by failing to adhere to anti-discrimination and anti-harassment rules, saying that they are appalled by the university's stance on anti-Semitism on campus. By the way, whose rules were they? They were the ones that Congressman Stefanik was asking, you know, President Gay if she would she would follow. Is this the ones that, and he's talking about the rules for Penn and McGill. This is what Congressman Stefanik was asking. Do you think, according to your own rules, and this this guy's like, hey, your own rules are in this thing called a contract, and a contract for a donation, and a contract to create a financial innovation center. Let so me, he's asking the same question, and he's referencing a contract. <clears throat> Congressman Stefanik was asking the same question and referencing their own standards. Well, friendly advice to anybody that's ever uh, in testimony in front of Congress, in front of a jury, in yep. front of anybody, in front of cameras, a, any cameras, anytime someone asks you to make a public statement on genocide, <laughs> take the other stance <laughs> against genocide. Oh, no one's going to get mad at you yeah. for basically saying, I firmly stand against any calls for genocide of any people, Period. of any minority, Period. of any type of persuasion. Genocide is wrong. It should never be allowed. Any calls for it should be vehemently stand against. How hard is that to freaking say? Nobody will come after you and say, I am against genocide. How dumb are these fucking leaders of these major schools? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What is the likelihood, okay, over under, what is the likelihood that those three had a conference call or a meeting and or were prepared and role-played questions that were going to ask and how to react and how for all of them be on the same page. What is the likelihood that that took place? I did some calculations over the weekend. I think it was 105.62%. Yeah. 105.62%. I'm going with that. Well, how, how about this? If there's anything that you were doing, it was tallying up what, percentages. What is I the, the likelihood that three presidents of three of the most prominent schools, two based in Boston, by the way, yeah. one in Penn, yeah. about an hour or two down the road, actually even knew each other before this congressional hearing? 
I'm be- a million percent. Of co- yeah. They probably have each other's numbers. Of They've probably course. been in contact. Of course. So the fact that they're coming into Congress right now to have this testimony, they thought like they're not on the surface idiots. No, of okay. Course not. Of course. By not. the way, this was the most viewed congressional testimony in history. Whoa. Okay. History has spoken. So, oh, Did wow. you know that? So they can go home the and tell most. their family they're here famous. Here it is right here. <laughs> well, and Adam, while you're looking at that, uh, how cool way, is, is that? it really the most? This is Wall Street Journal. The pathetic t- Wall Street Journal. The pathetic testimony of the Harvard, Penn, and MIT presidents have been viewed more than a billion times worldwide, Holy making it the most shit. viewed congressional testimony in history. Deservedly so, because it shocked the conscience of the world. The only acceptable consequence is that the boards immediately replace them with leaders who will restore moral clarity. By the way, if that's the number, this is by far the worst commercial a university could have had, period. The worst commercial you could have had, period. There's not a worse advertisement for universities than what just happened and, right and, now. And Adam, because uh, uh, you said the Jewish donors, like they're 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 jumping ship, right? What's the percentage? I mean, I don't know if there's a stat wow. for Jewish people that vote Democrat, and how much do you think that that's going to change? Jew, that sixty-five percent. Jews are sixty-five percent. Do you think that's going to shift it, Adam? It's you been think, two-thirds, one-third. You Vinny, think, you great think, question. Do you think that's going to change votes? I one million percent. Fuck yeah, there good. should be good. Uh, a lot of Jewish people, and a lot of people for that matter, just with yeah. a brain yeah. that's looking at whatever is going on this progressive left woke wow. Hamas caucus. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. That should be saying, hey, I voted this way for a while. And and by the way, guilty as charged, because I was a JFK Democrat, yeah. a Bill Clinton Democrat. Yeah. If you were a JFK Democrat or a Bill Clinton Democrat, you would probably be a Joe Manchin Democrat, which is pretty much a moderate Moderate, Republican at this point. But if you look at the infectedness of what's going on the progressive progressive left, it's disgusting to watch. And at the end of the day, you could look at the people on the far left and look at the people on the far right. And anybody that's far left or far right, you know, extremism, I do not advocate that. But at the very least... The very least, you could say that the people on the far right love America. <laughs> the problem with the people on the far left, they actually hate America and what America stands for. I agree. And they're trying to rewrite history in this progressive, woke way. And to me, as someone that's basically been sort of politically homeless yeah. for the last handful of years, I don't know. I'm not really trying to, uh, you know, storm the Capitol. At the same time, I'm not trying to fight for Hamas. Where do I land here? But moral clarity Jeez. is completely seen in these institutions of higher learning mm-hmm. presidents. And, is it, and they, they can't even take a stand against genocide. <laughs> yeah. We've lost our and way. You, and great point, Adam. And you, and you mentioned this a bunch of times. And this was, I, I want to say, a month, maybe two months ago, when I was like, Patrick, these everything. how do people not see it? And you sat right here and you, know, you said, give it time. You go, mm-hmm. bad policies, bad ideas, bad things, they come to light. And this was one of those moments, Adam, where I went, oh, shit. I can't believe that they're saying, yes. you can't say out loud that screaming for a whole race of people mm-hmm. to be exterminated, you can't say that out of your mouth. Holy shit. Lay, By the lay way, up you, hands. You know, you know three 
out of the top six universities in the world with the biggest endowment are those three. 100%. Three out of six. Harvard's number one, and I think Penn and MIT are five, six. Harvard's got around 50 to 60 billion. The other two have 20 to 30 billion dollars of endowment they're sitting on. Do you know what's happened to them the last three years? These are frauds. They told the American people they're about higher education. Mm-hmm. During COVID, kids are not going to school. They're not staying on campus. They're not going out there needing the food. They didn't lower the money, the tuition for parents to pay by a penny. They still expected you to pay as if your kids are on campus going to school from home on a Zoom. They said you still have to pay the full price. Think about what a dirtbag mentality. And they're sitting Mm on $51 billion you're sitting on. One, you did that. Two, your woke bullshit you're doing, your LGBT stuff that you're feeding down kids' throats, your hate of America, and then you're showing us with this, your standards. Imagine as somebody that's raising kids sitting, I want my kids to go to this school. Are you out of your flipping mind? Have you lost your mind and we're supposed to send our kids to you to lose them? I was at Harvard in 2016 when Hillary and Trump are debating. The debate where they said because you'd be in jail. That debate, I watched it in Harvard in their chow hall with 300 other people. Harvard's chow hall is an Asian man that paid for the, uh, uh, the restaurant where, they, where you eat the food. It's called chow, C-H-A-O. I'm sitting there. Vinny, there was not one person of the 300 people that supported Trump. Wow. 100%. Of everybody who was there watching this were 100% for Hillary Clinton. Not one person. Not one person. I go back the next day, and I bring it up to the professors. I said, why is it all of you hate Trump? No, we don't. There's not one of you. Are you going to vote for him? Oh, no, I would never vote for him. (laughs) I said, "All I'm supposed to come to your school, and every single one of you hates Trump? Is that, is that really debate? Is that really how school's supposed to be? I said, I'm not coming back the next two because the way their OPM program works is you go one and then you go another one and you go, I said, I'm not. I said, no, you should come back. I said, I'm not coming back. To be in a what? To be in a sounding board where all you guys are sitting here and agreeing on the fact that Hillary Clinton's because what? So you know right for me? You know what's right for me? Your establishment? Now, I think, I think the last few years revealed what these people stand for. And I'm telling you right now, this whole thing about uh, 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 we're having this conversation last night. I, I spoke to four different places last night. I finished up last. I don't know what time. I don't even know what time we got home last night. Like One a.m. Two okay. a.m. No, literally. I we saw finished. videos of you of like ten different locations. Uh, I'm, here, I'm, here, I'm here. I'm here. First of all, the last all few weeks the have been insane. But so I, I'm going to all these different places, and I'm sitting there talking about what decision Tom and I made. Parents, listen, parents. Academics is important. Studying. And learning to do homework and all that stuff is important. Yes, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm okay with my kids not doing it. It's important. High standards is important. Is academics more important than values and principles? I don't know about that. Because to me, if somebody is a winner and they want to compete, they're going to compete. Do they need to be around other people to compete? Yes. At the cost of manipulation and brainwashing? No, I'm not good with that. Can you still create a climate for your kids to be able to debate and be around other guys where they can kind of stand up for themselves? Yes. Is there a benefit of going to a school where the school is 70% Democrats and maybe you're a conservative, but they're actually reasonable human beings? Yes, I think there's a benefit to that because your kid's going to learn how to debate. But today, that's not the case. Out of 13 professors, Rob, pull up, pull this up right now. What percentage of professors are Democrats to Republicans? For every one conservative professor, 
is 13 Democrats. What? For every one no conservative professor, I'll find this article Thir for you. It's 13 either to 13 to 1. Or 12, something like it's, that. It's, no, no. It's, no it I'll, I'll show you. It's 13 to 1. It's I'll like 5%. Best percent. Professors. Yes. That Profess is bananas. 13 to yeah. 1 is not in a monopoly rule. You call that one. There's a 16 to 1. That one right there. Go to that one right uh, there. Now, it's you, 16 to 1. How recent is that Carolina. article? How long ago is that, by the way? And I said 13 to 1. I was being friendly. It's That's a year more. ago. That's but a year I, ago. That's I remember current. in 2020 when we were talking about the election, it actually was 13 to, 13 1. to, 1. to 1. So it's only gone up since then. Oh, here we go. It's to 1. Uh, uh, business Insider. Why are so many Democrat professors Democrats? This is 2016. A college professor wrote a biting explanation why so many professors are Democrats. Out of 13 professors, 12 were Democrats. Okay, and this is 2016 when it was a 12 to 1 ratio. Now it's a 16 to 1 ratio. Yep. In the same university, you're sending your kids to be baptized by these guys. Yep. It ain't even fair. It's like bullying. Imagine you're fighting with 16 other people, 13 other people. Nobody else can be in there to do that debate with you. That, that's the climate well, we have right this, now with some This of these is the problem with the woke DEI agenda because they're focused on race, on sex, on gender, on sexual orientation. But DEI, what I would want on campus, on institutions of higher learning, are diversity of thought, yeah. of different ideas, how, what exactly what we do on this show. The beauty of what PBD said, let's get a bunch of guys with different opinions, let's work this shit out. Mm -hmm. But what happens on these college campuses is they basically exclude anyone with a different thought of them. Let a Ben Shapiro or Charlie Kirk try to show up on campus. Oh, forget. Good luck, guys. What do you mean? They, they don't let a let a Hamas terrorist show up on campus. Thank you for coming, <laughs> Muhammad Akhtar Abajod. Yeah, let's show you. Let's show you the basement. Come on in here, but. Exactly what PBD talks about, policies of consequences. So here's what's going on here. So Louis Brandeis, the chief justice, there's a school after named after him uh, called Brandeis, said, what, sunlight or transparency is the best disinfectant? We are disinfecting what is happening on these woke college campuses. And Pat talks about institutions of higher education. These are institutions of higher indoctrination. And it's becoming completely Obvious. So if you look at what's going on at Harvard, you've mentioned this earlier, uh, Dr. Tom Bizdok. Harvard, just this year, placed dead last among 248 universities on the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expressions College Free Speech Rankings, receiving only a score of zero out of 100. Shh. I don't even know what the hell that is. And you're saying that in second place, a.k.a. second to last, is Penn at 247. How do you get a score of zero out of 100 on Harvard's Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression? But here's something for you. I don't know if you can... Decades like, of Trump. I don't know if you can look at this. This is on the Wall Street Journal. This is the leader, the, uh, the president. Well, Harvard's of, get, so here's the article. Get. Harvard bans cis... Heteroism, okay, Heter heterosexism, but shrugs at anti-Semitism. So what constitutes bullying and harassment at Harvard these days? Mandatory Title IX, you've talked Watch about this. Yeah. Warned that all undergraduate students are banned from cis-heteroism, okay, fat phobia, using the wrong pronouns, Jeez. 
any of that would be called abuse and violence on campus. Violence. Calling oh someone God. fat. <laughs> calling someone oh, no, fat. Even worse. Is violent. Well, what do you mean? Fat is violent. But, but, but genocide of Jews. Context. Hey, look we the other context. way. Yeah, what do you mean by genocide? Yeah. What kind of the genocide? The worst thing for these school presidents is for the average American to know their names. Oh, you, Did any of you know any of these no, leaders' every I, names every time I kept before today? Gay, gay, I was like, what? Shit. And by the way, now now for some other yeah. egg, wouldn't, by the way, I don't even know yeah. what I scored on my SATs. That's how bad it probably was. Now I'm just yeah. like, to help Harvard, Schmarvard. But I, shout out to Elise Stefanik, I Republican representative from New York. I think she was the first Republican to win in her district what since is she, the 90s. Know, what, is she just Italian? She's in the, no, she, I don't even know what she is. doesn't matter. She she's Italian. just a person but with she's stepping up. moral clarity. Okay. Where's she from? Early life. She's from New York. She's a representative of New York. She's right. Czech. She held Czech. all three of these... To the fire. Leaders of the, to the fire. of the highest institutions of learning in this country, she made them look like absolute morons. Can I ask you a question? Did, did, did the Republican side uh, question these people as well with that, that much vigor? She, she's she's the, the Republican. Don't say who's the Democrat. Were there any Democrats yelling at these there, idiots? There actually was. Um, That's what I'm saying. We just, the Tom, think, you know what I'm saying? There actually that she's was. the only clip that basically I've seen. Did anybody else dig into them on the left? Like, was there any Jewish people that are in Congress that were like, yo, what are you talking about? Or did they stay quiet? That's the, you know what I mean, Pat? That's the only viral clip that I saw. Well, when where were all the people when on the that other side? ridiculous clip makes it to the news, it just takes all the oxygen out of the room. The Nobody's focusing on anything. It's the most viewed congressional hearing ever. In a billion in a week? In a day, Vinny. Oh, my. It was a day? It was oh yesterday. My God. Unbelievable. That's Unbe good for her. And by good the way, watch what this leads to. So now, pandering the, to voting box. This morning, this morning, I'm at uh, Dylan's got a game, so I run up to it. He's playing, and um, at the same time, I'm meeting with a guy. We're having a conversation. He's a big producer in Hollywood, and done work. Everybody knows uh, some of the work this guy's done. We're having this conversation together, and then the conversation leads to what's going on with uh, Hollywood. Movies being made. Who's winning? Who's not winning? And some are going far left. That didn't work. Some are going far right. That didn't work. And Hollywood's about coming down more about just purely entertainment. And if you want to give your message, maybe subtle, but not crazy entertainment. So then Elon Musk, we haven't reacted to this. Yes, last, last week with Bob Iker, he's got a feud. So he's being interviewed, New York Times. We've not reacted to this yeah. yet, right? But, but before you would give that, yeah. did you see what he said about this exact situation what? that we just talked about? What? So Sam Altman, who is Jewish, that it was, you know, we just we covered what's going yeah. on with Advanced him. AI, yeah. So this goes to your point. Sam Altman, he's the chat GBT. Uh, yeah. The nice man so, who three weeks ago had a very he, busy weekend. Exactly. Yeah. He made a post uh, basically saying, oh, wow, anti-Semitism on the left is way worse than I thought. Yeah. And Elon Musk tweeted, yep, agreed. <laughs> so, like, I get we're, 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 I know we're moving on to Elon yeah. Musk and what he did with, with Bob Iger and everything yeah. like that. But just to kind of wrap that up with a ribbon on it, basically, here it is. I don't know. For a long time, that anti-Semitism, particularly, was on the American left, was not as bad as people claimed. I'd yeah. like to, I'd, I'd like to just state that I was totally wrong. Right. I still don't understand it really, or know what to, what to do about it. But it's so effed. Oh, and then Elon, Elon Musk, Musk says, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so then, so then Elon. So and then Elon. all these people, just to be clear, yeah. all these people, whether it's Elon, whether it's Sam Altman, whether it's Bill Ackman, these guys were all voting on the left. That's right. Hard. Just a few years ago. Just a couple years but ago. Why? Now they're running but to the right. What he, so Elon is being asked this question about the positions he's making and the comments he's making and whatever he's saying. By the way, some of this stuff he got comment for being considered an anti-Semite. Some people said to him about the comments he was making. But watch this interview here with New York Times and Elon, and look how Elon reacts to 
specifically calling out Bob Iger at the end. Go ahead. If you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. <laughs> he doesn't know what to say. Yeah. Look at the guy. He knows but this video is about to go viral. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Uh, in the audience. Uh, Bob. <laughs> well, well, let me that, ask that, you that. That's Andrew Ross Sorkin, one of the biggest names on CNBC. I mean, yeah. incredible founder, journalist, founder no doubt. Founder of Book. This is his, okay. his mini-conference, I believe. He was the founder Oh, he's of the one that put this on. Gotcha. So this leads to people talking, asking, well, what are you going to do? You know, you need the money. You know, so, so, this company dropped, that company dropped, this company dropped. They're not going to be doing advertising for you. What's your reaction when you see what Elon says here with this, Vinny? I, 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 first of all, you know the necklace that he's wearing, Elon? You know what? It's, he went to Israel, and he got that. I guess somebody, he's wearing that until every single hostage is released from really? what you didn't know that no. that 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 medallion that he has on his neck but on the this pat, clip right here uh he has a medallion on his neck. Really? But, but anyway pat when i when i see something like that i think it's somebody that's obviously d that doesn't hate any race mm. a guy that's you know trying to save the human race with all the all the innovation that he's doing to try to get him and try to go against money i love the attitude of that's go f you money when you have that attitude and you have that much money all the stuff that they always try pads, nobody with that much money. Like, they don't really go after billionaires like this. For that attitude, that's basically saying for the threat, F you. I respect the shit out of them for that. Tom. I, I think there's a difference between F you money and the attitude. People say, man, look at that athlete, man. He's not kowtowing anymore because he's got F you money. They say the same thing about celebrities. There's two sides to it. One side of F you money is now you get to be arrogant, do whatever the hell you want in life. And okay, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that. The other side of it is you have enough resources and I'm not going to call it a few money. You have enough resources that you can stick to your principles and live through what they want to throw at you in terms of canceling. Mm -hmm. And that is where Elon Musk is. He has enough resources that he can take the stance. People say, oh, he's got FU money. No, it's not FU money. He is saying, go F yourself. You have to listen to what he said right up in front of it. Wait a minute. Blackmail me? That's right. Blackmail That's me right. with money? Yep. He's like, he's saying, I can surf past that wave if you want to throw it at now me. Now watch this That's here. Here's what's saying. crazy. Elon Musk publicly called for the removal, removal of Bob Iger, CEO, the Disney CEO, criticizing Disney's decision not to remove ads from meta platforms amid, uh, amid allegations of child exploitation, stating he should be fired immediately. Musk accused Iger of endorsing advertising alongside child exploitation material, asking why no advertisers boycott Bob Iger. You are endorsing this material. He also questioned the CMO of companies advertising on these platforms, saying, why do their chief marketing officers endorse child trafficking? Let's ask them. Musk accused these advertisers of effectively blackmailing him, saying, if someone is going to try and blackmail me with advertising, Blackmail me with money? Go F yourself. So the whole premise about this conversation was, why are you guys still advertising on uh, Facebook? If this is so important, why are you doing it? Yeah. Or is it just about politics? Or is it just about what I stand? Or is it just about the fact that I'm 
challenging the status quo. So this guy's not slowing down. I love it. No, he's a he's a very necessary voice for what he's doing right and, now. And Pat, I sent I sent Rob. I sent you the the Slack Pat about the necklace just so people understand the medallion. This this is the guy that we're supposed to think hates Jewish people. God, uh, Rob, Rob, if you could play it, there you go. Why don't you tell everybody? This was, this says, says bring them home. The hostages. It was given to me by the parents of, of one of the hostages. And I said I would wear it as, as long as there was a hostage still remaining. And I have. The Jewish people have been persecuted for thousands of years. Everyone here has seen the the, the massive demonstrations mm -hmm. for Hamas <laughs> in every major city in the West. Including schools. That should be jarring. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, that's for, dude, that guy, I'm supposed to believe that this guy hates Jewish people. G give me a fucking break. Yeah. Sorry I, for um, Well, you know, uh, give me a break. Did, it, you tell me, did he seem a little emotional as he was saying oh, that? He was about to cry. Okay, I've never seen Elon Musk ever show... Any real type he has of once with 60 minutes where he was okay. being judged. But Adam, you, but, you're Jewish. You don't feel no, this, dude? Oh, look, well, look. I, he's come out and said that he's sort of on the spectrum, right? He's, he has, he, yeah, he said Asperger's, that he, he has... Asperger's. Okay, that, that is known for not having emotion. So the fact that something like this moves him to emotion just shows that, you know... He feels very deeply about this. Look, as far as the Elon Musk companies, we've seen this happen before. Short term, um, they could take a hit, right? They're going to lose some advertising. I'm sure their CEO, Linda Yaccarino, of Twitter and X is not happening. There's a, Vinny did an amazing video about that, what's going on over there. Bored, but we've seen this happen when he went and smoked weed with Rogan. Tesla stock took a hit a little bit, but they reach all times after that. I think that, you know, as Pat always says, that X or Twitter is going to be a trillion-dollar company one day. This is just sort of a blip on the radar right now. And he's going to fight through this just like he's fought through everything. But hes it's good to know that he's making a moral distinction between a Democratic ally of the United States or a stepchild of the Iranian terrorist organization Hamas. Good to know that we have that moral clarity on what's going on here in America today. Yeah. By the way, let me read this to you. So this next story about California. California's budget deficit swells to record $68 billion as tax revenue falls. Uh, California's budget deficit has soared to $68 billion, surpassing earlier estimates of $4.3 billion, okay, which, represent, which presents a significant fiscal challenge. The deficit stems from unexpectedly, ready, low tax revenue. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why you have a mm. low tax revenue, huh? Mm. While acknowledging the severity of the deficit, state budget analysts have emphasized the availability of options to address it. Includes These include utilizing cash reserves, implementing one-time spending cuts, and revising education funding. The budget shortfall resulted from various factors, including delayed tax filing deadlines. Analysts projected a staggering $58 billion revenue shortfall, highlighting concerns about the state's financial stability. Future deficits are anticipated with recommendations to preserve a portion to, of reserves for future challenges. Tom, can you tell us why this is happening to this great, incredible state of California? <laughs> it's very, very simple. There's not enough people making enough and paying taxes. People talk about property taxes. Let me draw a line there. <clears throat> 
Excuse me. Sorry about that. It's okay, Tom. Property taxes go Tom to Tom gets emotional when he has to pay taxes. No, no. Property I get taxes. It. I would too, Tom. Property taxes go sort of the county city, yeah. whereas the 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 um, uh, state income tax, which in California is up to thirteen point three and rising, going to set new records. They want to lead the nation in that. Good luck. They're not the way. record you want to be leading in there, Vinny. Yep. That's not what you want to be leading. But damn it, they're trying and they're going to win. So number one, it's um. Uh, state income tax, and then number two, it's you know the corp, uh, corporate income tax in the state, and then number three is like gas tax and stuff. There's not enough people in California with jobs paying taxes, and now there's a shortfall. A, B, there hasn't been the artificial windfall of some of the. When you see a Silicon Valley company that has, that has an IPO and it goes out and it's really big, venture capitalists, people in there. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that the Facebook IPO alone gave California a get-out-of-jail-free card for one and a half years on their state budget. That's how much tax revenue they got from the Facebook IPO. And so there's not enough people there. They're leaving. They can say everything they want. Oh, no, no, more people are coming to California from Texas and going to Texas. Baloney. The people are leaving. There's not enough taxpayers. And as they raise the taxes and raise the rhetoric, more people are leaving. That's the problem they have. And for educational funding, if one of the things they want to cut is educational funding, cut the entire UC system. Please (laughs) cut the fire-breathing liberal cesspool that is the UC system. Just cut it and save the the state money. But that's what's going People are leaving. What is this? California, U.S. to bank millions in taxes, Facebook IPO. Yeah, this goes way back, right? $189 million in taxes for the state of California. That's a number. And so people are leaving, and there's not enough people left to pay the taxes. And, and more. Governor handout keeps handing things out. Only one problem. You can't run a deficit as a state in the United States of America mm-hmm. You know what they would be called? You can't. California would be considered a zombie state. Yeah, like a zombie California company. is a zombie state. The oh. only thing they can live off of is, is, is its people's money and constantly going into debt. California is the ultimate zombie state. Bingo. Even though they're a top five GDP That's, in the world? Bro, let me, ask you yeah. qu- let me ask you a question. You ready? Let me ask you a question. Um, think about how much money you make per year, Okay. You ever met anybody that makes $100,000? Can a person making $100,000 a year be richer than a person making a million dollars a year? Yeah, of course. If How? They, if, they, if they don't have a budget and they spend all their money. Can they, a per- like most you, Americans. You mean to tell me somebody making a million dollars a year could be richer than somebody making $10 million a year? Yes. Absolutely. You mean to tell me somebody making $10 million a year could be richer than somebody making $100 million a year? See what you're doing here, my friend. What am I <laughs> yeah. doing here, brother? What you're doing here, bro. How, so you don't make more it's money. It's not about how much you way, make, it's how much you I'm keep. Willing you can to be bet living with a payment. Some of your friends make way more money than you, but I'm willing to bet you're richer than them. Yeah, because I, I save that money. That's the point. So, <laughs> so, so guess what? Bingo. These guys, California is the ultimate zombie state. Okay, mm-hmm. And I don't mean zombie like zombies are coming out chasing you down, although that's very possible I, that's the first in California. No, this is a state that lives off of its debt and its taxpayers. So to my friends whom I love dearly from California who love that beach tax, who love that weather tax, who love the mountain tax, who love the hill tax, who love the earth cafe tax, who love the Hollywood Boulevard tax, who love the Chinese theater tax, who love the Balboa Club Newport Beach tax, who love the Manhattan Beach tax. I don't know what you're doing right now. What about the Nobu? 
Bats. No, I, I don't know what bats. this impersonation is, but I like it. Yeah. And it's and, very uh, like na na na. And you oh suckers God. never got your high-speed train <laughs> from L.A. to San Francisco. Yeah. Psych. Well, the guy that was gonna do it left to Texas. Weird. He oh. was the guy that was gonna do it for them, but Newsom pissed him off, and he oh. says, "Screw you, I'm out of here." That's weird. And I oh, go to Alon? Texas. Yeah, he, no, he was supposed on? to do the project. He was working with. I want to say he was working with uh, uh, Emmanuel, Rahm Emanuel. I think that was, matter of fact, that was talked about in Musk's book. I, I, when you get to the last 25%, he talks about that part. No, we, we had this event this last week at Soul House, which was a fantastic. By the way, did you hang out? Did you spend some time or no? Did you guys go, go out last night or no? No, but maybe tonight. He's Okay, got it. Perfect. So but sick event, by the way. Yeah, sick oh, event. It was phenomenal. Great job, Lisa, Team Manek, Adam, the crew, invites. We had it. a lot of good friends there. You know, Usman was there. Uh, oh, yeah. Ryan Garcia was there. A bunch of boxers were shot. Uh, so you, you know who was partying the hardest that night? Who was? Uh, Usman. Was he? All over. I, I'd run into him at a different place. I place. love it. He had his sunglasses hey, on. Uh, he's like, yeah. he's going to be it. here. It joining. was great. It yeah. was great. There was a lot of people. There was a great party. But a couple of friends from California were there that night. Yeah. And I was having a conversation with them saying, when are you leaving your great state of California? Their loyalty to Newsom is unbelievable. Love the level of loyalty they have for this wonderful sweetheart of a guy, which, by the way, I would love to sit down and talk to that guy one of these days, and I'd love to have his. I feel like Newsom would come. I think he would. I think he would. By the way, just we, I don't know if we actually fully covered the debate between Newsom and DeSantis. It just shows you personality can and typically will win over policy. Every piece of data point was in DeSantis's favor in that debate. It was ridiculous. Okay, with the exception of the six-week abortion ban that obviously didn't really favor that. I mean, Newsom got him on that. Every piece of tax data, every piece of crime, of homelessness, any type of metric was in DeSantis's favor. People moving out of California. It was just so, it was like a master class on how you can't even win a debate if you don't have personality. Gavin won this debate with no data on his side. It was, it was actually Let's talk about somebody horrible. else with a different kind of personality who spends a lot of money on prostitutes and hookers. Uh, mm-hmm. Hunter Biden. Let's talk about Hunter Biden. Okay. One, of, one, of, one of Vinny's favorite I guys love that in guy. politics. Are these new stories? Hunter what, Biden. Okay. Not spent, just the John. Okay. He's their king. Hunter Biden spends, spent uh, $872,000 on hookers, <laughs> porn, and sex club membership. <laughs> this this is according to Newsweek. Can you pull up the Newsweek uh, uh uh, item, please. Okay, here we go. Some of you guys that claim you party hard, you ain't got nothing <laughs> on Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden has been indicted on nine tax charges, including three felony charges and six misdemeanor charges. The indictment alleges that Biden spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on lavish lifestyle, including drugs, escorts, and girlfriends, luxury hotels, and rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of personal nature. The charges relate to a period between 2016 and 2019. Prosecutors claim that Biden used various deductions to avoid paying taxes, including categorizing expenses such as his daughter's law school tuition, house rentals for his girlfriend, and payments to escorts and dancers as business deductions. The indictment also states that Biden spent $10,000 on a sex club membership during 
this time. Oh my! So here it is. These are these are actual numbers, by the way. Let's go through them. This, Listed this in is the broken down. Are the following wow. alleged payments? Number one, various women. Various. Six hundred and eighty-three thousand dollars. Holy. Clothing and accessories, three ninety-seven. Educational purposes. Who the hell knows what that means? Three hundred and nine thousand dollars. Health. Beauty and pharmacy, two hundred thirty-seven dollars. By the way, pharmacy could mean a lot of different things. Of what do you think? Miscellaneous retail purchases, two hundred thirty-six thousand dollars. Grocery and restaurants, two fourteen. Insurance, two hundred three. Adult entertainment. You got the more adult entertainment, one eighty-nine. Okay, that's a pretty big. Now, budget. what's the difference Legal between adult entertainment fees. and various women? Who knows, man? <laughs> rehab. By the way, look at rehab, seventy-two thousand dollars. Credit card payments, fifty-eight. Advisors from Wells Fargo, fifty-three. Entertainment twenty four, sports and recreation twenty three thousand dollars. Total payments listed in the indictment amount to four point nine million dollars. Wow, four point nine million dollars. So, Vinny, your thoughts on this story? Well, well, first of, all, I mean, every what is it? Every month or every every two months, something is coming out about him. I think the timing of this, what people need to realize is, I think this is for this to come out because his father, I think, Rob is somewhat. Going to be connected to some of this, some of this money. Because last week we heard something about him getting payments of sixteen hundred and eighty dollars. I think the timing of it is good because they're going to uh, tie in Joe Biden and say, "Oh, listen, we're not just going after Joe Biden; we're going after Trump as well." And this is, I think, one of their plots, uh, Pat, to get to the point where they're going to say he's not going to be able to run, and this is going to link into his father. But uh, going back to uh, Hunter, bro, is it just is it just like me or? They should be telling him to shut the hell up because he did a Moby. You know Moby, the the singer? He went yeah. on his podcast, I think, yesterday. Moby has a podcast? Moby has a podcast. La, 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 la. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. And he was, so he was saying, uh, he was saying stuff. There's not much difference uh, from that when Fox went on a tear that I was in some way connected to funding. He's By the way, he's on drugs when he's on this thing, uh, for sure. That I was funding the Wuhan lab to create COVID, but also then it went into the entire Russian defense ministry, held a two-hour press conference to explain how George Soros and I were funding bioweapons labs in Ukraine. And he goes, I'm not going... This is what he's talking about, about the Republicans. He goes, I'm not going to let these mother effers use me. Just another example of why people in recovery are never going to be okay, never to be trusted. They are all degenerates. And he goes on to say that uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, or Paul Gozer uh, and some of these guys are bullies. They're just absolutely suffering, suffering people, and that's why they're going after me. It's just, ba- mm-hmm. it's, it's again, Mr. Untouchable. He can literally, do you guys, any of you guys think he's going to get in trouble or go to jail for this? Be honest. Go to jail? No. Uh, exa- Will he pay fines and have some sort of legal restitution? Fine, he should. Fines? And, but yeah. I mean, but literally. Sons of presidents don't go to jail. Dude, p- well, I mean, no. Uh, untouchable crackhead yeah. on the planet is this guy right here. And, and for him to go on a podcast and say that he's the victim we're the we're the problem. The, the the Republicans, everybody's the problem because we're suffering because he's an addict and they should know that this is this is the life that he chose. Well, I think I found the problem and it's in the numbers. The problem is in the numbers. Rob, can you bring the numbers back? Rob, 
And let's go I down to... I love when to... Tom talks like a game show host. Moby. Exactly. Here it is. We're about to find out. Let's, let's play go down How to... Much You Spent on Hookers. No, let's <laughs> Cocaine, go... Cocaine, Johnny. Let's go to I Found the Problem. Yeah. In 2016, go down to like line 10. Rehab, drug and alcohol. <laughs> Vinny, how much did he spend in 16? $7,600. How much in 2017? $28,600, Tom. How much in 2018? $35,669. How much in 2019? Not a red cent, Tom. I found the problem. <laughs> he cut the wrong thing out of the budget. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> there we go. And, and, this, and, and, and by the way, by the way, by the way, we also got you know, today, we got an email. We got an email from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There are 12 living members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that are pissed that Hunter Biden has beaten most of their records in many of these categories. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny, Tom, the Wells Fargo advisors and his Roth IRA, Adam, you'd be mad about this, in 2017 to 2019, nothing. And then his home <laughs> help, cleaning, and child care dropped off in 2018 and 2019. That means well, no, his house could, is shitty. We, we saw the videos. His place is a wreck, and you can yeah, see he yeah. hasn't paid for cleaning since 2018. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad, bro. But, but now go. now he's out there at Art Basel down the street in Miami selling his yeah. art at one of the yeah. NFT fairs yeah. that's going on. You know what here. drives me crazy, Pat? Because I have these liberal I, by the way, I have family members that are still anti-Trump, Trump's the devil. The, if this was any Trump Jr., yeah. can you hold on? Can you imagine CNN right now would be on fire? They'd be it, apoplectic. Oh, like, Tom, I have no idea what that word means, but I agree <laughs> because I feel like you know what it means. But but do you understand what I'm saying? Can you imagine if it was yeah. the other side? But I'm not going to front. I do want just one day because, mind you, I'm sober over six months. I would If there's anybody that I would want to party with. Is Hunter Biden? Because could you imagine? Pretty sure we've all had a good time in our lifetime. You especially. Can you imagine having, like, security, meaning Secret Service, watching every like he's doing it with Secret Service protection. You can do whatever, and the mess is going to get cleaned by the government. That's amazing. That's the guy you want to party with. Well, I'm I'm gonna look into solutions for a second here. Like the fact that he's on Moby's podcast. Uh, and I haven't heard Moby's name since Eminem song when he said... Uh, Moby? Yeah, exactly. 36-year-old bald-headed gold Since he got exactly. Academy Award for the Jason Bourne... How uh, is the Biden administration soundtracks? not checking this guy into rehab, whether it's needed or not, and saying, vanish, bro. Oh, my God. Don't be seen. Don't be talked about. Don't be in the news. You Like... This is absurdity at the highest <laughs> level here. Yeah, I heard, I partied some people in South Beach. This is that next crazy. level ridiculous. It's nonstop. It's nonstop. I would put this guy under a basement somewhere in a rehab somewhere and says, "Please do not resurface." And here's my question until 2025. Here's my question: Why? Why? Haven't the, they? The Why addiction aren't they? Hall of Fame. Well, Tom, this is an honest question. Why aren't they stopping? Like this guy is a ticking time bomb that's already gone off a couple times. It's like. What what are you doing? If this was any other president, left son, cocaine in, a, in the White House, and we yeah, have the Tom, video. What did you see? What did you see yesterday? We were talking about. They're talking uh, privately on. In any moment, Joe Biden could be asked to step down or uh, not running for re-election. What what were you talking about yesterday on the drive to the one of the meetings? Yeah, I I feel as many people do. I'm not alone on this. That the ability of the Democratic Party to suppress certain storylines and to get a harmonization of a mainstream media narrative is well known. 
It's absolutely well known. If they don't want to talk about something, they're not going to talk about something. If they want to talk about Lauren Boebert behaving really badly in a movie theater, they're going to talk about that for two weeks, right? Yeah. Oh, if they don't want to talk about something, they don't want to talk about. I think this is like, we're going to stay with our theme here, nail in the coffin. This is one of many nails in the coffin that I think is already being orchestrated because Joe Biden is not going to be the the candidate when November rolls around. And I agree with what I'm hearing from many people that it will happen with the superdelegate shift at the convention. So what we were talking about in the car, I think the fix is in and they are allowing a lot of this stuff to come out and they're allowing the mainstream media. They're even pushing it so that it's out there in front of the voters so that when Biden steps aside at the convention, Nothing to see here. He's old and he's got to go take care of his addict son. We're moving on. I think that's the play and we're seeing it. Yeah, play out. I, I think I, I think it's going to be deeper than the going helping the addict son. I think it'll be the convention. using the addict gonna... son and his name on some of these payments and all the, you know, uh, corruption that I mean, this is just adding to the pie. Look, you will know that there is only 24 hours left in the political life of Joe Biden. Yeah. When he pardons Hunter for all this, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that's what that's what's going to happen. He He's going to pardon that. his son, end to end for everything, and you will know there's 24 hours left, and that will be a quiet pardon that happens either immediately after the convention or going into the convention. And I know we talked about how Trump has uh, approval ratings versus Bi uh, Biden's approval ratings. They've sort of been within that margin of error. They both are pretty low. This is the number one story on Wall Street Journal right now. If you look at the app. Officially, Trump takes 2024 lead as Biden approval hits new low. This is a new Wall Street Journal poll. Number one story on their thing. Gavin Newsom so, come. But that, this, is a, this is a general electorate type poll. But if you look at the battleground states, if you look at Nevada, if you look at Georgia, if you look at PA, if you look at Wisconsin, if you look at Michigan, Trump's up four or five, even 10 points in these states. Those are the concerning things for the Biden administration right now and the DNC. Uh, do you have that poll? Is that the poll? That you were just talking. Can you go to the poll on how it shows the movement? Because uh, when I looked at his chart, it showed the movement on what it was before. Is that in here or no? No, that's okay. the actual Wall Street it's, Journal and, article. Got it. And, and by the way, have you seen? Yeah, I saw that. That's kind of what I wanted okay. to see. But have you seen? Take a screenshot and maybe send yeah, him send the article so he has it. Have you seen what Melania? Have you seen what Melania Trump just said? What uh, Melania Trump just recently said she would like. Uh, she thinks Tucker would be a great vice president candidate. Where did that come from? Like, where did that? Where does that come out of the blue? For like, when have you ever heard a, a, an ex president's wife going, "You know what? I like that guy to be the vice president." That means she probably heard something. I mean, it came out of that blue right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, she heard something. Come on, come on. She heard something and went, "I like him." You know, when's the first time anybody said anything about Tucker being a VP? It was on this podcast. I remember, wait, let me guess. It was Hold called on. The Alliance Between Elon Tucker and Trump. Bum, bum, bum. And by the way, you know what just came up about Tucker? Did you hear the story about what the negotiation was, why he went on X? Watch this here. Uh -oh. This is the story. Rob, do you have that or no? On on uh, Tucker going, uh, starting his media company and what he got with Page Twitter 10. in exchange. Page 10? Is, is that the one? Uh, is that yeah. the one this is? Uh, let me see if it's in there or not. If not, uh, you can pull it up. I'll show you the article as well. And I talked about this a couple of months ago. So here we go. Tucker Carlson, new media company, moves forward. I think they raised 15 million bucks a couple months ago. Um, we are opened our site for membership sales. Subscribers will gain access to exclusive content and behind-the-scenes footage. Although 
Pricing details remain on the schools. Patel mentioned that the official launch will once will follow once. Well, you know, despite this departure from Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson. Okay, go type in Tucker. Carlson. Is this the one that says fifty? So he went on Twitter X to do his show in exchange for fifty retweets with Elon. What? Yes, That's all he needed <laughs> in exchange for fifty retweets with Elon. So if you type in Tucker Carlson X. Uh, 50 retweets, retweets. That's so. That's so weird. Musk. That's so like. But it's but smart. No, But but it's this is exactly what I talked about when I said, why would Tucker turn down the hundred million dollar offer we made to him? Mm-hmm. Because 50 retweets from Elon is worth more to him than a hundred million dollars. Think about that. 50 retweets is worth more than a $100 million offer being made. And was it was it any specific or whenever just, I mean, not back to back to back to back to back or whenever Tucker goes, please retweet this one. What do you mean? Like, which which tweets of Tucker were? I, they, I have like, to show you guys this because believe- you have to see it. You have to see it to understand what I'm talking about uh, with, with him and Musk. But the idea is now Melania is saying, hey, maybe this guy would make a good VP. Um you know, he, you know, she would like to see him be a VP and potential candidate as a VP. Do, can you see Tucker as a VP, Tom? Do you think that would be a wise move to have Tucker Carlson as the VP for Trump? Absolutely. Tell me why. <clears throat> well, number one, this guy is very well read. And not only that, his position statements and his point of views on the three key areas that a president really can impact. He can impact the economy through treasury, number one. Number two, he can uh, impact domestic policy through things that he puts out there, like a disaster area, recovery, things like that. Then also on foreign policy, who Secretary of State is and the positions that we take on the two things in foreign policy, defense-oriented positions, where you're giving guns to a friend, um, or or economics. And those are the things that I think Tucker Carlson really has a very strong intellect on, and he understands how Washington works. So if if that's the measure of a vice president, understanding how economic policy um, and then domestic policy in general and foreign policy work, then the guy the guy has the, the credentials to be there. And he's very visible to the American voters. So now let's go the other way. You know, you got to pick somebody who's visible. You got to pick somebody who's bankable, votable, electable. Wow. And he has all those. So if I look at it on a quantitative basis that way, you know, the, the old method was, hey, you're not very strong in Texas. Maybe LBJ could be your vice president candidate and help you carry Texas. That used to be the way it works. It doesn't really work that way anymore. It's all about the candidate, but the vice president can't be a drag. Um, We all know who the vice president candidate was for John McCain, and she was a drag on the ticket. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. Dan Quayle, even though he proved to be right, and Vanity Fair wrote an article that said Dan Quayle was right about the following things. He was a drag <clears throat> on on Bush Sr. So you can't be a drag on the ticket. You have to be something. And they the last time you've seen, um, I think, something... Well, oh, let's go look at Obama and Biden. Biden was the elder statesman that knew his way around Washington, so you can trust that Obama's going to get good advice. That was the pitch that we were all sold on the selection of uh, 
Joe Biden. And I think Tucker lines up very well. He checks all the boxes. He'd be a ferocious debater. Ugh. And so I think and then you have to think, OK, one heartbeat from the presidency. OK, oh, could he be, you know, a president on the order of Reagan-esque uh, conservatism that is that is. Uh, been successfully malleable into the world in which we live today, and I think the answer is yes. I think, I think dude, like imagine having him as vice president. He wouldn't be one of these Kamala do nothing. Just by the way, don't even know where, what, what Kamala does or where she is. He'd be a phenomenal vice president. And then think about, like you said, Tom. He'd take the mantle, I think, because I think he's a true patriot. And then you never know. Maybe he'd put like a Vivek or somebody as his vice president. And then that that line of just. True people that care about this country will keep 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 on going, and I think that that'd be a great choice. I would love I would love. I don't see it, guys. What? I don't see it. You don't see what? Uh, I don't. I don't. I think Tucker's an alpha. I don't think he's trying to take advice from and like listen. And he would be number two for anybody. He walked into the UFC I behind think, Trump yeah, and well, looked like a pretty good number fine. two. I, just, I think Tucker is focused on building his media company. He's never ran for anything in his life. He's never expressed any interest for running anything in his life. And if I'm Trump, I want someone that's basically saying, get behind me, have my back, basically do what Mike Pence did for three years and 364 days, okay, <laughs> and just follow my lead. And also, I don't see Tucker bringing any independent or votes that Trump doesn't already have. People that like Tucker already like Trump. It's no one new. The reason that he picked Pence was because Trump is arguably the least Christian dude out there on his resume, at least. So he needed that nice, white, Christian conservative named Mike Pence to get in line for that evangelical vote. Mm -hmm. So now, who's going to be on Trump's shortlist? I don't see, Tuck, I don't see Tucker. Run a poll and see. I see Tucker really? being a beast. I think on a debate stage versus Kamala, he would run circles around here. Oh, of course. I just don't think he's going to carry An any particular state. An article just came yeah. out. Trump is reportedly planning a cabinet from hell. For term two, this is intelligence, sir. Donald Trump is reportedly considering a contentious roster of candidates for key cabinet positions in a potential second term. This list includes figures like Ohio Senator J.D. Vance, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Arizona's Kerry Lake, South Dakota Governor's Kristi Noem, Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene oh. as potential vice president choices. Wow. Those are potential vice president. Ooh. Vance Sanders, Kerry Lake, Nome, Taylor, and Melania Trump has expressed interest in Tucker Carlson to corral up the MAGA base, but would run the risk of upstaging Trump at rallies. Continues. Trump's intent to reward loyalists who have backed his claims of election fraud is evident in his potential cabinet appointments. These appointments may feature Stephen Miller as attorney general or in a role to related to immigration enforcement. Amongst the names in contention for cabinet positions are Lee Zeldin for defense secretary, Richard Grinnell for director of national intelligence, and Steve Bannon for White House chief of staff. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But I, I think the Carrie Lake vice president oh, thing to get the female TV. vote, too, that would be, I mean, Carrie Lake would be, uh, I think, a great decision. I like uh, I like, like Christine Nome. I like Sanders a lot. From, you like uh, Sanders? Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, she's a beast. The problem is, you know what, like that, the problem with her is she's uh, what not good looking. So I think that's not a good look. Tell, them, no, tell us. Okay, I, I'm just going to look at her. 
Yeah. And that's like a good picture of her somehow. Adam. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'll be under the desk. Then optics and how you look actually counts. Okay. Now go to Christy Noam. By the way, it's the best picture of Sarah Huckabee Sanders I've ever freaking seen. Ever in your life? Christy Noam. Yeah. See if you can do a side-by-side -side of these two. I mean, there's no need. You want to look at that girl every day? Or you want to look at that girl every day? <laughs> what a, I, I, I mean, think you know where I vote. What about Carrie Sex Lake? Sex sells, bro. Would you not be Carrie Lake? You think Donald Trump is going to look at Sarah Huckabee Sanders and be like, eh, I, uh, not my first well, pick. I mean, well, hold on. Sorry. But guess what? That's not what I'm hold into. If he, he's, a, he's loyal to the people that, that love him. You can't even front. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was in those briefings every single day in a, in a jungle with everybody from Jim Acosta's loser ass screaming at her every freaking two minutes. It was insane. It was insane that she had his back. Well, I tell, she that, never turned. That, that's your new VP right there? I, listen. By the way. I'm look, a policy. I, I don't need to look at her I, face. If she's looking like the one in the pink right now, she could thank her uh, candidacy choices to Ozempic because she looks like she's lost 100 pounds. Good for her. I don't leave Can't fix an ugly face, though. I'm but, sorry. This is just being. But listen, I'm anybody sorry, that's guys. a loyal. She, she's I'm loyal sorry, to guys. Trump and she's about that policy. That's great. Her. But I'd rather have Christy Noam. Oh, oh, I saved the photo. To, uh, she, yeah, I can't look at that anymore. She right saved then? the world. She saved our economy. Too bad she wasn't more attractive. Yeah. What? Did, I mean, you ever see Superwoman? Yeah. You you are you gonna know. call? You know, maybe Adam needs to. Uh, they need to do a part two of the movie Shallow Hell. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and they say Shallow, Shallow Adam, Adam, and Tony Robbins comes up, and next yeah, thing yeah. you know, Adam shows up and introduces to a girl. Hey, this is Mary. Damn, she's hot. Oh, my God. What the hell's I mean, wrong like, with you, Adam? Is, is this guy okay? Adam is like, oh, my God. Sex. Hey, sex. Shadow Adam. We can make, Adam, we can make a smooth that made That made Jack Black's career. Shadow Adam. I'm down. So make a phone call to Tony. See what he'll do for you. By the way, luxury stores are bursting with unsold stuff. Weird. Okay? It's weird. Unsold stuff. Luxury fashion brands are grappling. This is a Wall Street Journal story. Grappling with an excess of unsold stock due to slowing sales after 15% rise in 2022, online luxury sellers like My Teresa, which, uh, Vinny, which one? You guys have heard of My Teresa reported a 44% increase in inventory. Luxury brands protective of their exclusivity have avoided deep discounts, and burning excess inventory is now banned in the EU. Burning excess inventory is banned in the EU. They have focused on opening concessions and department stores to maintain control over inventory and pricing. Off-price outlets are becoming popular choice for luxury brands, representing 13% of luxury goods sales compared to 5% a decade ago. These outlets provide a way to clear stock while maintaining brand perception with value retailers, retail uh, buy sister uh, collection, requiring brands to offer an average of 35% discount to secure a spot. Interesting. Rob, can you go to the Rolex article I sent you? People you know which one I'm broke. talking about with what's going on with Rolex, with watches? Watch this here if you can zoom in. The record rush, is that the same article? The record rush to buy Rolex or Patek Philippe is over. Let me read that article there in Bloomberg. The biggest ever boom in Swiss luxury watches is coming to an end. For three years, the industry enjoyed a surge of renewed interest that kicked off during the pandemic when wealthy and cash flush consumers stuck at home began drooling over luxury mechanical wrist wear from iconic Swiss brands, the unturbocharged demand for timepieces like AP, Rolex, and others boosting Swiss watches export to record sales. Damn, $25 billion, 25 billion francs, which is $28.5 billion. 
Tom, why do you think this is taking place with these luxury products, especially with the watches? Uh, well, could it be that the – so the boom at the top of the collector market, there was no boom at the top of the collector market. Um, I, I collect, but uh, not voraciously, watches. Great word. And, great word. And the high end of the watch collection market hasn't gone away. It's still there, and people that had the money still have the money, and they collect them out of interest. The middle of the market was turbocharged by cheap money, and the cheap money has been spent. And so now the demand is down for the luxury items as inflation and other things with the economy have kind of, it was a spike. So that headline is actually correct. The rush to buy is over, and people rushed in, and then they rushed out. And that's that's what's happening here. Um, when you take a look at um, any of them, there's a lot of them out there. I'm not going to plug one over the other. But you can get them and put an app on your phone. And you can basically see the stock market for collectible watches the same way you can see the stock market for artwork or, you know, baseball cards, trading cards, sports cards. And the big push with all that cheap money has come and gone. And so now the artificial demand pushed the prices up. Now all of those buyers have left the market and the prices are coming back down. You know what the number Along is? with the unit. They're down. Uh, uh, secondhand luxury watch prices are near two-year low. They're down at this point roughly 40%. little shy of 40% yeah, today. Yeah, two-year low. Yeah. Gee, what happened two years That's ago? That's right. Free big, money. Free yeah, money. Weird. Fake money. Fake success. That's right where I was going to go with this. So uh, after in 2020 when the pandemic hit and all the stimulus checks were coming out, everything was going on there, I predicted that the luxury brands out there, the Gucci's, the Prada's, the Louis, all that, were going to take a massive hit. But what ended up happening? They all got richer. So in the middle of pandemic, most people don't know this guy. He's not a household name. Bernard Arnault, he's the owner of LVMH, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, became the richest man in the world at that time. Number two or three. Okay. Jumped up. He jumped up. He passed Bezos. He passed Musk. Now he's sitting comfortably at number two. Elon's worth a quarter billion right now, by the way. Real-time billionaires list on Forbes. Bernard Arnault is... Second place at 197 billion. Jeff Bezos, number three at 170 billion. The list goes on. But my prediction was that all these luxury brands, who the hell's going to afford all these brands? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Who's going to pay $5,000 for a purse? Turns out your average stupid American who gets a stimulus check for 3,600 bucks isn't going to put that into their Roth IRA. They're going to put that on a purse or a trip to Miami or go somewhere on spring break. We always say this that the money's going to flow to the top. People aren't just going to take this free money and invest it in their 401k. Not going to happen. They're going to ball out. They're going to ball till they fall. They're going to try to keep up with the Joneses. They're going to basically try to fake it till they make it. And that's how you have Bernard Arnault, the owner of LVMH, become a, the second or first richest man in the world because the average person that's getting these stimulus checks is just going to just spend she, all she's that gonna, money. She's going to make me move to Miami. I mean, it's and like they, it's... they beyond faked it, right? Beyond, What's that? The the consumer beyond faked it. Not only did they spend their stimulus, they took their credit card Stop. debt from half a billion, from half a trillion dollars up to a trillion dollars. Wells Fargo said that the next report is probably going to be knocking on one point three trillion. And BNPL is what they're using. You know, buy now, pour later. You know, <laughs> what's going on? Well played, Tom. And so. Uh, they, they they didn't just get drunk and go out and buy things, but now they're tapped out. And guess what's happening? Now the brands are coming down. But if you want to see next year's fashion, 
if you want next year's fashion to be in your favorite store, here we go. All we need to do yeah. is have all the looters come in and steal this year's fashion. Yeah. The insurance money on PNC will pay the retailer so they can send it to Louis Vuitton and refill the stores with next year's fashion. Yeah. So there there are some ecosystems in America that kind of, you know, can 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 help make it right. I only take fashion advice from the biz doc. That's it. Um, That's I, my guy. I'll be damned. You think I'm going to watch GQ or something stupid like that? It's the biz doc. Everyone knows that. Oh, have you seen his underwear? Ridiculous. The best. Ridiculous. Fitted. Tidy whities V thing. Yep. You think Tom's a brief chinchilla. guy or a boxer's guy? Oh, Tom and if you, if you haven't whites. had chinchilla underwear, you haven't really. <laughs> Tom. Yo, but it would be funny if Tom has like those hammock silk. Oh, banana hammock. Banana hammock. Oh, you know. <laughs> it's, and Tom wakes up in the morning. I would like the Get audi- me my coffee, yeah. woman. Yeah. No, That's no, no. By the way, the audience that, right now is having way, a great that, visualization of yeah. Tom in a way, banana hammock. No, no, no. If I talk like that, shout at out home, to Louis Vuitton. I'm, I'm not gonna need underwear. I'm gonna need a cup. You, know, <laughs> you, you don't give me my yeah. coffee, woman. Give yeah. my coffee, let's, woman. Let's talk about That's the last a fast thing. track to the disabled. Rob, if you can pull house. up what's going on with real estate commissions, if you can mm. pull this up, a lot of guys yeah. in the real estate industry are calling me and they're talking to me about this, and we may uh-huh. we may bring somebody on board to go a little bit deeper into this. Rigged federal U.S. court awards $1.8 billion in damages after major realtor firms found guilty of conspiring to inflate commissions on home sales. And it turns out that it was only the beginning. So if you can go a little lower so we can read this, Rob. Uh, Zoom in a little bit. Zoom in a little bit. Uh, A new federal class action lawsuit was filed in South Carolina alleging the NAR and prominent real estate brokerage firms like Keller Williams colluded to artificially inflate agent commission rates, increasing costs for home sellers in the state. Go a little lower. And the lawsuit filed November 6th. In Missouri case, the federal court awarded $1.8 billion in damage, which could be tripled to more than $5.3 billion, according to Reuters, if the realtors are found to have breached U.S. antitrust law. Uh, what's the deal with uh, broker commission? The lawsuit of Missouri is now South Carolina, and now South Carolina are all about real estate broker commissions, which typically is around 5 to 6% of property selling price in the U.S., and it's split 50-50 between buyer's agent and seller's agent. At the heart of the complaint is that they have wrongfully impacted competition. Okay, so this is the number they're trying to get it to. You know how it shows 5 to 6%. So let's do a basic number. Yep. Say somebody buys a, sells a $500,000 house. I'm selling my $500,000 house. I'm the homeowner, okay? okay? You are representing Tom. Tom wants to buy my house. Okay. You're his realtor. Adam is my realtor. I sell the house. There's 6% in commissions, let's just say. He gets three percent. You get three percent. Okay. I'll deal with that. So three. So you're splitting thirty grand, fifteen and fifteen. You're splitting thirty grand, fifteen and fifteen. And let's just say if he's working at his real estate firm, he gets paid fifty percent. He's making seventy five hundred bucks. You're making seventy five hundred bucks. I can live with that. Some are talking the fact that they want to make that five to six percent. They want to turn it into one to two percent and allow me to give a tip. What? Let me explain. So, for example, that $500,000 house, I said, guys, <laughs> I'm only doing 2%. Okay. Okay. So he gets, gets 1%, one, you get 1%, one. Percent, which is get... what? Mm-hmm. Five which, grand. So you got dude. 2% on half a million is 10 grand. You guys are splitting five grand. You're at 50% commission, so you're making 2,500 bucks, but I get to choose to put a tip there. So let's just say I say, guys, I'll tip you another 100 bucks. Okay. I'll tip you another. <laughs> 
What a crap. Can you imagine what is that the, what it's it? Is that what it is? Are you kidding me? They, they I'm said getting they were calls and texts from yeah. these realtors talking about what if this happens, what do you think about this? What do you think about some of them are getting into insur- insurance? But a lot of them are calling asking, do you actually think this could happen or not? I, I don't know if I'm with it. I am not with them removing that three to six percent. They're trying to make that. They did this to the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. Years ago, mortgage industry, they had something on the back end called the Correspondence Commission, which guys were making a lot of money on the back end with the correspondence checks that was being paid out by New Century, Countrywide, all this stuff. But if it goes this direction, real estate's going to take a hit with some of the bigger players. Tom, what are your thoughts on this <clears throat> yourself? Well, commission adjustments have been happening at the high end of the market. For years, yeah, at the high end of the market, you know, let's say, and this is going to sound really big to people, but a five million dollar house sells, and if it's a six percent, that's three hundred thousand dollars that the seller put out there. Now, there's real cost in there, but title insurance and a lot of other things don't cost three hundred thousand dollars. So now let's split it one fifty, one fifty for each each side, and then if that is split, say. 66%, 66%, the realtor gets a $100,000 commission to sell the one house. That is a little bit less than 2x the average income of the average American. So that's pretty big. And so usually what will happen at the high end, they'll say, okay, we'll do a 6% commission on the first half million, and we'll do 2% or something thereafter. Mm-hmm. And then you'll even see sometimes in a listing saying, a flat 2% commission. And so they're letting the buyer know what kind of stress is or isn't on the seller. So the adjustment commission has been going on for a while. The, the other side of it is Redfin, Zillow, and OnlineRealtor.com have slowly removed a lot of the benefit that your realtor gave you. The realtor used to do real research and go through the MLS and bring you a package of homes to look at. And then they would say, hey, Vinny, you're, you're talking about having a child next year. If you're here more than 10 years or when the child will now be like in third, fourth grade, this school district over here is by far the best in the city. Realtors used to provide all that. Now, they argue that they still do that. But what's happening is people are coming back. Wait a minute. I get a lot of research from Zillow. I get a lot of research from Redfin. Why should we be paying this? And why should you be prohibiting the the little home, the half a million dollar home from negotiating because the realtors won't. They'll negotiate with somebody selling a $5 million home before you open your mouth, before you get upset, we will adjust our commission Mm -hmm. to get the big listing, the giant listing. But the average homeowner says, you know, gosh, you know, 6% on this, that 30 grand means a lot to me. You know, as a seller, I'm going to give up $30,000 of basically appreciated equity in my house when I sell this. Those are the people that are in the class action that are saying, you rigged this. Why shouldn't I find my cousin, Sarah, who will be willing to do it for 2% and 2% or something? Why shouldn't I be able to do that? That's the root of the suit is them saying, nope, screw you. It's 6%. You can't negotiate it. Why? Well, because I work for Keller Williams. They won't let me. Mm-hmm. That's why they're named. Mm-hmm. I work for Remax. They won't let it. It's a standard deal. See right here in your listing contract, it's a standard deal. Well, not if I had a giant house. Well, it is for your little one. That's the way it goes. And that's yeah. what's going on. I think we all know that anytime that you're dealing with you know, high net worth individuals or anything in the five, 10 plus million dollar range, um, there's going to be some sort of commission cuts 
negotiated. If you're selling a $20 million house, you're not just going to let the advisor or the real estate agent take their typical 6% fee. Even in my business, if I'm dealing with a $10 million policy and the commission is going to be a half a million dollars, they say, hey, look, man, we're gonna, what can we do on this? We don't want to be pigs. We don't want to lose the business. We'll cut the commission in half of what it comes down to. But for your average case, like your average house these days is worth what? $300,000 with 6% of that. Okay, you're talking five, ten grand here. How are these how are these agents supposed to basically work and do this? Because a lot of these agents will put in money to market the property. There's no question. To put in all the it's work. A lot of work. It's not exactly easy to do this. Yeah. So what's going to end up happening are the high end guys who are already making millions of dollars a year. They'll figure it out. There's going to be so many agents who can't even basically afford to feed their family at some point. So I'd like to see where basically this comes in because we can look at the high end markets. Those guys are going to be fine. They've already made their money. They've already made their mark. They'll work out commissions. Probably they're selling, hasn't changed. They're selling $10 million houses. They'll figure it out. They'll reduce their commission to 1%, 2%. They'll still make their couple hundred grand on their commissions. All good. It's the guy selling quarter million dollar houses, the woman selling a half a million dollar houses, that they're going to have to basically come to terms. What do you think is a fair commission for the, for the national average? Whatever the seller, this is my opinion, whatever the seller is willing to pay for the quality of a realtor to sell your house. Good point. I think that's free market. Let me decide what I want to pay my guy. Okay? So if I want to do, you know, if a guy comes in and he's got a buyer that's going to buy the house for a number that I can't get from another realtor that's newer, go for it. Okay? If, if you're actually going to put in the work. I remember one time, Tom remembers this. I remember one time I sold one of my houses in L.A. And his realtor was a newer realtor, and I did a favor because she was going to the same church. She comes to these multiple appointments. Adam, I am furious because she has no clue what the hell she's doing. She's never sold a house bigger than $600,000. And this is going to be her first ever million-dollar home she's selling. And you did her a favor? You know what I told her to do? Yeah. Do you remember what I told her to do? Go back I told to her, church. I said, don't show up. when this. I said, there's only one way I'm going to continue working with you. When the client shows up, I don't want you here. Don't show up. So the client shows up, and I show the client the house, and I show the client the details, and I agree with the client with the number, and I did it until you take the commission, but I don't want you to be here because you're not helping out at all. Wow. I sold the house. Yeah, and then we moved to, you, if there's anybody that knows the story, it's Tom. It's you and Jen. Did the, you pay her oh, a commission? Absolutely. She got the whole commission, but guess what? She got overpaid. She did not Clearly. deserve the commission. Why did you give her because the Because the market is filled with lazy realtors. Mm. Lazy realtors should not get paid what they get paid. But a working realtor, go. I don't have a problem if a working realtor is going to go make a deal happen and a miracle happen. I'm okay with that. Anyways. Nice. Okay. Podcast uh, came to an end. We did a couple hours. <clears throat> Gang, if you're with us on a Saturday crew, I know typically we do it Tuesdays and Thursdays. When we'll do home team, we'll do it again this week. But I wanted to make sure we talk because we haven't done any podcasts for quite a few days. Have a phenomenal weekend. We'll do it again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.